Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. And today I'm kind of want to get into this discussion of that I've been kind of seeing with I don't know Christians kind of following this theology or ideology called progressive Christianity. If you have not actually researched in this, you should. It's it's very interesting, but it also gives you a clarity of what's kind of going on in our churches today. Many people have talked about how um, they want to be part of a church, they want to get involved, and they want to see things change. And this is one way that you could pay attention to help you seek that change in your church. A lot of times what happens is that people who think there's something going on with their church or they can't see what's missing or something is just about their church that's just not right, I honestly think it's going back to progressive Christianity ideology. Now, if I were to really like take take this from the beginning, the interesting thought is if you guys were paying attention when Rob Bell became really famous and the it was basically the emergent church movement that was going on, that's basically the first stage where I think in the past couple decades that we've been able to see progressive Christianity push into the churches in a strong way. Now, it's not just Rob Bell. There's other people like Brian McLaren, and then there's like Dan um, Campbell, or, or Campbell is actually another one who really wrote books, really got involved, and really got Christians to start thinking differently because they were trying to get people to start thinking about whether the traditional mindset of churches wasn't really working in today's culture. You could find that many people took on a lot of the books and started putting in studies and you could see how it's changed over time. The impact from probably I would say early 2000s when Rob Bell started doing uh, his his kind of talks and started reaching out, going to conferences, seminars, and then his church and then all these other people started popping up. Another f- a famous pastor that really got involved in it was Mark Driscoll. Um, supposedly he repented from uh, the choices that he made going after that, but he was very much heavily in it. And he really changed. Because I remember in the beginning, he definitely had a strong character. He was walking with the Lord. He was teaching truth. And he was teaching in a way that kind of actually reminded me of how Paul probably spoke to people where he didn't take the crap. He spoke the truth and would tell people, hey, you need to change. But when Rob Bell and the, the Emergent Church group started really pushing their ideologies into kind of reasonable thinking and logic, some of these pastors that we you know we really like started dabbling into those ideologies. Now, the Emergent Church is not something new. It didn't just like come recently. It's not something that was like started with a cult and suddenly just bloomed in the past couple of decades. It's been around for probably a few centuries. It wasn't called Emergent Church back then. But after, because I did a study on this, but basically there was four theologians that many of these so-called Emergent Church leaders have accepted as true that were not necessarily like I guess respected or accepted 
by the other theologians as accurate and true. And if you really were to study into more the, the way they believed that the essence of all their thinking was about oneness with God. They believed that Jesus was technically a good man who discovered how to connect to God in a oneness that made him basically godlike so he, he can connect with God in a way that none of us could. And two, it's what allowed him to be able to be wise, a rabbi, however you want to look at as a teacher who had the wisdom and truths that just came out. And then the other ideology that they have accepted in their form of theology is that scripture itself is actually not true, but a bunch of stories to teach us something, teach us how to become one with God. It's really interesting how it's twisted the actual truth instead of us discovering who God is and chasing after him and building that relationship with him. It's more like how do we get to where we're at a point where we can say we were one with God and we have that that mind meld sort of mindset going on. Um, that that kind of got pushed in in the beginning with, with their movements. And eventually one of the other views they started pushing was actually uh, there was no hell. So according to Emergent Church uh, teachings, hell was just like a figment of imagination or a symbolic view. Rob Bell said himself that earth it's or being here on earth was hell itself. Like this is our punishment for our sins being here and that there was no hell after. And we all know Francis Chan and we know that at one point he even started believing there was no hell either. And but he repented and actually recanted saying what he had said and made it clear that yes there is a hell and there is heaven and when we die if we're not saved through the grace of jesus hell is for us is our punishment you see there's this movement really affected even people that we would consider like really good leaders so why is it that it seems so intriguing well the intriguing view of what they are taking kind of gave us the ability to be God or self like that we could discover this Godhood about ourselves which is kind of interesting because Adam and Eve struggled with this when they decided to eat of the fruit now Satan co convinced Eve that you know God wasn't really telling you to 100% truth that he wasn't giving you all the answers that you really want and you can get it you just eat of this tree she fell for that temptation and Adam not standing up and protecting his wife like he should have also fell into that temptation. You see, that desire for us to be gods is actually a part of our sin nature. We, we, we grasp at the idea of having such power and if you really were to go deep into the emergent church, they, they kind of give you that feeling of empowerment. Now, I will say the one thing I did learn in my studies and research on Virgin Church is that they are very good at building community. They seem to understand what it meant to reach people, to connect with people and talk with people and get people in their church. And I, and I have actually experienced being in a emergent church before. There's actually one in my town. And they... 
I mean, well, let me just rephrase it. It was very interesting because when we walked in, notice there's massage tables on the left. And on the right side, there was a bar. And yes, I mean a bar with alcohol. And people were allowed to get drinks and go sit. And during the service time, they can go get massaged on the left. And I felt like that was a really cool concept. But the problem was it took away from the reverence time of being service with your fellow believers and worshiping God. Now, is it wrong to have massage tables? No. But should it be doing... Should they be doing it during the service? No. I, I think, you know, a church, that's a kind of a cool idea. I know you know, because they did it because of taxes. Like, if you know this is the same problem, you offer it after church. We're going to have a few mas uh, massage therapists. They're going to be doing this for a couple hours. If you feel like you want a massage, they're going to massage you. And, hey, we'll have another one, like, on a Wednesday afternoon. If you guys want to come, they're going to do massage. We think there's nothing wrong with that. I just think if you take away the value of spending time with your fellow brothers and sisters in, in Christ and worship, then it's a problem. As for drinking, I don't think it should be done during service. You know, if you guys want to do it after church, fine, but not during the service. But the thing is, is like they got and understood how to relate and connect with people. I, I, I will give them a hand for that. Then there's theology. I mean, the, this this pastor was preaching on basically the and pardon this, but the bastards of of scripture, and he, I believe, it was Peter, Paul, and then he used Jesus, and he justified why he was able to use that word while he was preaching, and I felt uncomfortable calling Jesus a bastard. Um, he tried to know speak truth and do all that all, like what he should be doing as a pastor but it's just something that was just not right that was my first example of under understanding what it's like being in the atmosphere and then two you know like i heard people cuss out loud and nobody asked them hey you know watch your mouth or you know show a little respect don't don't use language nobody said anything they just they just let them do it like it was no big deal so one of the things is that they try to do is make themselves modern or you know postmodern Christianity where they seem to be able to connect and relate to uh, people and outright you know they, they do know how to reach the people but it's it just feels like it's not anything specifically unique about the Christianity that people could just act the way they want to act and be and it's okay. Now that you know you're, you're like I'm sure some of you are like oh well you know I've that's not church then or people you know don't do that in mind yeah but that's not the thing see the, the the pieces of this puzzle is that these people who became part of the, these churches leave that church and go to another church and start seeping in some of this ideology into the works i mean in the past few decades I remember when I was younger, if someone said, hey, I'm living with my girlfriend, people would be like, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. You shouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. But now in the last couple decades, maybe even maybe the last 15 years, I noticed that it's it's not a problem as long as, you know, you're planning to get married. And another issue is that girls in your church, they get pregnant out of wedlock 
instead of saying, hey, you know, you should repent and you can't be in leadership, you know, like all all the values you should be pointing out about what they've done is still getting behind them and encourage them, you know, take care of the child, help them on track, tell that guy, you know, hey, you need to marry her. You could do all that. But the idea was that in the church I had gone to, they got them Mother's Day flowers only. They didn't give any to any of the other moms in the church. And they basically, I guess you could say, glorified what they'd done by using the banner as well. At least they're not aborting their child. That's that's not right. See, a lot of these views are coming into our church and are creating a weak version of Christianity, creating the gospel message to not be as vitally important. But sometimes what you'll also hear is pastors will not necessarily talk about sin. They'll actually try to just show the, the focal points of good and staying right and what Jesus did, but we're not going to focus on sin and hell and where it's going because we don't want you to think about uh, hell. We want you to just say, hey, you know, love Jesus. Great. Good job. Another point, too, on what what has kind of happened is, and, and, and if I offend people, I'm sorry, but the seeker movement, not all churches that do this are in this track, but what has happened with the seeker movement is that we are not building enough discipleship opportunity so we get people who come in and they love the experience and they feel changed and they accept christ and people are like yay they you know they they love jesus now they're part of the family but then there's no discipleship and i really think that's part of the progressive change because we want to fit we want to we want to get people to find christ and it's very interesting, but what happens in a lot of cases, and if the, probably the best examples that I see this more often is youth events. We get to see these youth kids go to camp or go to some seminar or some big you know, youth event activity, and they get touched and changed. And they, they come up forward and they accept Christ or they want to get back on track, and then they come home and the fizzle starts fizzing off in about a week or two. Now, the problem is that you've lost these youth in a sense that the value of what happened to them starts to diminish because there's no training, there's no teaching, there's no mentorship, there's no discipleship. And so a lot of these kids, they, they fall back into the bad habits they've once had, but now they have the life insurance of they won't go to hell, or as I call them, hell insurance. So instead of them seeking out God growing and changing and repenting from issues of their life, they don't get any training and they're still falling into the trap they've been falling in. So I'm going to take a really quick break um, that we're going to actually talk actually some of the views that I found on progressive Christianity and how dangerous it is happening in our own church. See you guys in a moment. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. And today I'm kind of want to get into this discussion of that I've been kind of seeing with I don't know, Christians kind of following this theology or ideology called progressive Christianity. If you have not actually researched in this, you should. It's it's very interesting, but it also gives you a clarity of what's kind of going on in our churches today. Many people have talked about how 
Um, they want to be part of a church. They want to get involved and they want to see things change. And this is one way that you could pay attention to help you seek that change in your church. A lot of times what happens is that people who think there's something going on with their church or they can't see that what's missing or something is just about their church that's just not right. I honestly think it's going back to progressive Christianity ideology. Now, if I were to really like take take this from the beginning, the interesting thought is if you guys were paying attention when Rob Bell became really famous and the it was basically the emergent church movement that was going on, that's basically the first stage where I think in the past couple decades that we've been able to see progressive Christianity push into the churches in a strong way. Now, it's not just Rob Bell. There's other people like Brian McLaren, and then there's like Dan um, Campbell, or, or Campbell is actually another one who really wrote books, really got involved, and really got Christians to start thinking differently because they were trying to get people to start thinking about whether the traditional mindset of churches wasn't really working in today's culture. You could find that many people took on a lot of the books and started putting in the studies and you could see how it's changed over time the impact from probably I would say early 2000s when Rob Bell started doing uh, his his kind of talks and started reaching out going to conferences seminars and then his church and then all these other people started popping up. Another f a famous pastor that really got involved in it was Mark Driscoll. Um, supposedly he repented from uh, the choices that he made going after that, but he was very much heavily in it. And he really changed. Because I remember in the beginning, he definitely had a strong character. He was walking with the Lord. He was teaching truth. And he was teaching in a way that kind of actually reminded me of how Paul probably spoke to people where he didn't take the crap. He spoke the truth and would tell people, hey, you need to change. But when Rob Bell and the, the Emergent Church group started really pushing their ideologies into kind of reasonable thinking and logic, some of these pastors that we you know we really like started dabbling into those ideologies. Now, the Emergent Church is not something new it didn't just like come recently it's not something that was like started with a cult and suddenly just bloomed in the past couple of decades it's been around for probably a few centuries it wasn't called emergent church back then but after because i did a study on this but basically there was four theologians that many of these so-called emergent church leaders have accepted as true that were not necessarily like i guess respected or accepted by the other theologians as accurate and true and if you really were to study into more of the, the way they believed that the essence of all their thinking was about oneness with god they believed that jesus was technically a good man who discovered how to connect to god in a oneness that made him basically godlike so he, he can connect with God in a way that none of us could. 
and two it's what allowed him to be able to be wise a rabbi however you want to look at as a teacher who had the wisdom and truths that just came out and then the other ideology that they have accepted in their form of theology is that scripture itself is actually not true but a bunch of stories to teach us something teach us how to become one with god it's really interesting how it's twisted the actual truth instead of us discovering who god is and chasing after him and building that relationship with him it's more like how do we get to where we're at a point where we can say we were one with god and we have that that mind meld sort of mindset going on um that that kind of got pushed in in the beginning with with their movements and eventually one of the other views they started pushing was actually uh, there was no hell so according to emergent church uh, teachings hell was just like a figment of imagination or a symbolic view rob bell said himself that earth it's it, or being here on earth was hell itself like this is our punishment for our sins being here and that there was no hell after and we all know Francis Chan and we know that at one point he even started believing there was no hell either and but he repented and actually recanted saying what he had said and made it clear that yes there is a hell and there is heaven and when we die if we're not saved through the grace of Jesus hell is for us is our punishment you see that there's this movement really affected even people that we would consider like really good leaders. So why is it that it seems so intriguing? Well, the intriguing view of what they are taking kind of gave us the ability to be God or self, like that we could discover this Godhood about ourselves, which is kind of interesting because Adam and Eve struggled with this when they decided to eat of the fruit. Now, Satan convinced Eve that you know God wasn't really telling you 100% truth that he wasn't giving you all the answers that you really want and you can get it you just eat of this tree and she fell for that temptation and Adam not standing up and protecting his wife like he should have also fell into that temptation you see that desire for us to be gods is actually a part of our sin nature we 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 grasp at the idea of having such power. And if you really were to go deep into the emergent church, they, they kind of give you that feeling of empowerment. Now, I will say the one thing I did learn in my studies and research on emergent church is that they are very good at building community. They seem to understand what it meant to reach people, to connect with people and talk with people and get people in their church. And I, and I have actually experienced being in a emergent church before. There's actually one in my town. And they, I mean, well, let's rephrase it. It was very interesting because when we walked in, notice there's massage tables on the left. And on the right side, there was a bar. And yes, I mean a bar with alcohol. And people were allowed to get drinks and go sit. And during the service time, they can go get massaged on the left. And I felt... Like that was a really cool concept, but the problem was it took away from the reverence time of being service with your fellow believers and worshiping God. 
Now, is it wrong to have massage tables? No. But should it be doing should they be doing it during the service? No. I, I think, you know, a church that's a kind of a cool idea. I know you know because they did it because of taxes. Like if you know this is the same problem, you offer after church, we're gonna have a few mas- uh, massage therapists. They're gonna be doing this for a couple hours. If you feel like you want a massage, they're gonna massage you. And hey, we'll have another one like on a Wednesday afternoon. If you guys want to come? They're gonna do massage. We think there's nothing wrong with that. I just think if you take away the value of spending time with your fellow brothers and sisters in, in Christ and worship, then it's a problem. As for drinking, I don't think it should be done during service. You know, if you guys want to do it after church, fine, but not during the service. But the thing is, is like they got and understood how to relate and connect with people. I, I, I will give them a hand for that. Then there's theology. I mean, the, this this pastor was preaching on basically the and pardon this, but the bastards of of scripture. And he, I believe it was Peter, Paul, and then he used Jesus. And he justified why he was able to use that word while he was preaching. And I felt uncomfortable calling Jesus a bastard. Um, he tried to, you know, speak truth and do all that, all, like what he should be doing as a pastor, but it's just something that was just not right. That was my first example of, under, understanding what it's like being in that atmosphere and then too you know like i heard people cuss out loud and nobody asked them hey you know watch your mouth or you know show a little respect don't don't use language nobody said anything they just they just let them do it like it was no big deal so one of the things is that they try to do is make themselves modern or you know postmodern christianity where they seem to be able to connect and relate to uh, people and outright, you know, they, they do know how to reach the people, but it's, it just feels like it's not anything specifically unique about the Christianity that people could just act the way they want to act and be and it's okay. Now that, you know, you're, you're like, I'm sure some of you are like, Oh, well, you know, that's not church then or people, you know, don't do that in mind. Yeah. But that's not the thing. see the, the, the pieces of this puzzle is that these people who became part of the, these churches leave that church and go to another church and start seeping in some of this ideology into the works. I mean, in the past few decades, I remember when I was younger, if someone said, hey, I'm living with my girlfriend, people would be like, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. You shouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. But now in the last couple decades, maybe even maybe the last 15 years, I noticed that it's it's not a problem as long as you know you're planning to get married. And another issue is that girls in your church they get pregnant out of wedlock instead of saying, "Hey, you know, you should repent and you can't be in leadership." You know, like all all the values you should be pointing out about what they've done is still getting behind them and encouraging them. You know, take care of the child, help them. And track, tell that guy, you know, hey, you need to marry her. You could do all that. But the idea was that in the church I had gone to, they got them Mother's Day flowers only. They didn't give any to any of the other moms in the church. And they basically, I guess you could say, glorified what they'd done. 
by using the banner as well at least they're not aborting their child that's that's not right see a lot of these views are coming into our church and are creating a weak version of christianity creating the gospel message to not be as vitally important but sometimes what you'll also hear is pastors will not necessarily talk about sin they'll actually try to just show the the focal points of good and staying right and what jesus did but we're not going to focus on sin and hell and where it's going because we don't want you to think about uh hell we want you to just say you know love jesus great good job another point too on what what has kind of happened is and, and, and if i offend people i'm sorry but the seeker movement not all churches that do this are in this track but what has happened with the seeker movement is that we are not building enough discipleship opportunity so we get people who come in and they love the experience and they feel changed and they accept christ and people are like yay they you know they they love jesus now they're part of the family but then there's no discipleship and i really think that's part of the progressive change because we want to fit we want to we want to get people to find christ and it's very interesting, but what happens in a lot of cases, and probably the best examples that I see this more often is youth events. We get to see these youth kids go to camp or go to some seminar or some big you know, youth event activity, and they get touched and changed. They, they come up forward and they accept Christ or they want to get back on track, and then they come home and the fizzle starts fizzing off in about a week or two. Now the problem is that you've lost these youth in a sense that the value of what happened to them starts to diminish because there's no training, there's no teaching, there's no mentorship, there's no discipleship. And so a lot of these kids, they, they fall back into the bad habits they've once had, but now they have the life insurance of they won't go to hell, or as I call them, hell insurance. So instead of them seeking out God growing and changing and repenting from issues of their life, they don't get any training and they're still falling into the trap they've been falling in. So I'm going to take a really quick break um, that we're going to actually talk actually some of the views that I have found on progressive Christianity and how dangerous it is happening in our own church. See you guys in a moment. 